Hi, my name is Emily Lewis. Welcome back to the Sorry Less podcast. This is episode six. Okay, we're going to play a little game, sort of like hidden pictures. One might play in an I Spy book. You're going to do that on the podcast today, but with our listening ears. Wait a minute, we're all adults here. (laughs) You're going to listen for some special moments in this podcast. This has been really hard for me to put out over the last two months because, I don't know, man, I get in my head, it's a lovely place to live. Highly recommend it. No, I don't. I get in my head and then I forget what I'm doing here. So this episode has a lot of rambling. We're jumping from topic to topic. This is me getting my bearings. While we go and we listen to Emily's one moment, she's this embodiment of Tara Brock. I don't even know what she calls herself in the world. She's a meditation teacher and guru. And then there's Vinny from Jersey Shore. I switch between the two characters. That's your first thing about the four minute mark. I want you to look for Emily Lewis's embodiment of Tara Brock, worldly woman teaching us about the body and the self and enlightenment. And then there's a quick changeover where I become Vinny from Jersey Shore Cabs here. That's kind of perfect. That's who I am. I'm a little bit of Tara Brock. I'm a little bit of Vinnie Paul. I don't really know if his last name is Paul or if I just made that up because Vinnie and Polly. Anybody? Anybody? I'm going to apologize for many things in this episode, and that's going to be your hidden pictures, all right? When you listen to this, I want you to listen for these specific little keys. Say, ooh, she's not apologizing for that. Or if you hear me make a mistake, you can go, ooh, I bet she already said she's not going to apologize for that. I want to hear a lot of oohs when you're listening. I'm not going to apologize for miscellaneous but not too random class. I do a lot of applauding. I am not going to apologize for the speaking gibberish or the blah you may hear as my tongue rolls over itself when my brain operates quicker than my mouth. I'm not going to apologize for calling out the strong physical bonds I have with my children, for being affectionate, hugging and kissing my children. I'm not apologizing for anything that I do that may make someone else cringe because they wouldn't do the same behavior. I'm not going to apologize for changing course and developing my podcast as I go because you know what I did? I started and I am so proud of myself for doing that. And today I want you to pick at least one of these things, if not multiple, and not apologize. Don't apologize for changing course in your life or your day or your journey. You are allowed to do that. There's nothing written in stone. And even if there is, I'm pretty sure just about anything can be changed these days. I'm not going to be apologetic for being sporadic, for following an unclear path. I'm not going to apologize for being vulnerable. I'm not going to apologize for speaking to my imaginary producer. You listen for it. It's there. Listen, there's so much going on in the world, in my head, in my heart, (laughs) in this podcast. Getting clear with myself for sharing my writing, for talking about some emotional moments in my life. And certainly I am not sorry for bringing levity into the conversation and talking about some really important stuff like my snacking regimen. I am eternally grateful you've joined me for yet another exciting ride on this Sorry Less podcast. Jump in. It's going to be bumpy, but darn it if we're not going to have a good time. All right. Follow along. Listen for your hidden audio. Let's go. Radical self-love is an important thing to practice obtaining throughout life. And let's just pause right there. Life is a practice. So every time you falter or you fail, take it from me. 
give yourself a pat on the back and remind yourself this is all a practice, like medicine, like yoga, like meditation. We're all just practicing doing our best. I want to share something I wrote with you about radical self-love. What is radical self-love? For starters, it is not sitting uncomfortable and mangled on the floor to avoid being found by any one individual. I am worthy of sitting out in the open, doing what I love most. I am free to make the choice to sit on my bed in comfort. Contrast, right? That is a practice of radical self-love, to honor my own wishes and desires with vigor and intention. Even I cannot pretend is not there. What do you want me to know, world? I want you to know I love you and you are safe. I am here. Trust yourself, your gut. Trust your fear, your trepidation, your impulse. Trust your control. As long as you promise never to question the authority of that which you hold, you may trust everything you know to be true. I am with you, by your side, to guide you, to hold you, support, celebrate, and honor you. You are a beacon of light. We both are, because I am you. You are me, free. So when you forget, and you will, look inside. Look inside your shirt if you must. Find the spark. It's there. Find it. See it. Be reminded of who you are. Look if you must to remember how free you are, the beacon you have become. Trust me. I love you. About 10 years ago, at the advice of a therapist, at the demand of a brand new high-we-just-met therapist, I stepped foot into an Al-Anon meeting for the first time. If you don't know what Al-Anon is, it's related to AA, NA, the A's, and it's for people who love somebody who are addicted to something, and specifically drinking or drugs. When I went into this meeting, I met a whole bunch of people who also thought they were victims of a drunk. In actuality, they ended up being enablers of a bad habit. And I was not any different from that. There were people that had attended these meetings for years, decades even, still practicing healing themselves from the damage that had been done over the course of the addiction. Notice I didn't say over the, you know, the damage done by the addict, but the damage done over the course of the addiction, because as easy as it is to point fingers and assign blame to somebody who is fully in their addiction, the truth is, is their brain isn't their own. It belongs to their substance. If there's an enabler or a codependent, another word for codependent, who is making it easier for the addict to get their hands on these things or live their life under the influence. So I go to this meeting, I figured out the concept pretty quickly. Quit worrying about other people. And I did, and I bragged, and I told everybody, there's people in there that were there for two decades. I get it though. Don't worry about other people. Anyway, that's what I thought Al-Anon was teaching. But truly, Al-Anon is just but one way that we learn to live our own lives, not someone else's. I truly believe that enlightenment is reached once we can figure that out. Checks mix. I have a checks. We we have a checks mix problem, peeps. Party people. We got a checks mix problem up in here. Let me talk to you guys. Um, let's play this game that I play often. If I'm going to the island and I can only take one thing, like sunscreen 
that doesn't count. Asthma medicine, that doesn't count. We've discussed this time and time again. The, the needs are covered, okay? So outside of your survival, you're trapped on an island, you're covered survival-wise, you get one food or personal item. That's it. One. What are you going to bring? Like you get, if it's a food item, you get infinite supplies. I bet you already know what mine is. It is Chex Mix. And here brings the Chex Mix problem. So I eat and love Chex Mix so much that I thought, hmm, maybe I should make my own Chex Mix. You know, it could be more economical. I could flavor it the way I want to flavor. We could add Cheerios, which fun fact, fun fact, get ready for this one. Might want to write it down. Cheerios are a great addition to Chex Mix. The holes in the center of a Cheerio. Okay, we didn't, that was, that was saying too much. That little space, it's a great space for all of your seasonings and flavor to get trapped. Cheerio makes a great Chex Mix flavor vessel. So I decided I'm going to start making my own Chex Mix. I once had an amazing recipe. Can't find it. Google to the rescue. I put this recipe into action. Bomb.com. I make it again, only this time I do it from memory because I literally think I ate it in two days. So I do it from memory and it's good, not great. Good, not great. So I got to look up the recipe again. It takes a stick, one entire stick of butter. That is why it wasn't as good the second time because I thought it was like, you know, half a stick for twice as much. Okay. Well, this third time, I'm going to, my husband's like, double it, double it. We like food, eat more food. So I double it. Measuring is for losers. I'm not measuring diddly. We're going to just do a little seasoned salt here, a little garlic salt there. You, we're shy sh- or that. Ooh, we're going to throw onion powder in. We're going to put some celery salt in. And we're going to put in two sticks of butter. Are you with me? Okay. We make it. We toss it. We've got Cheerios up in here. Pretzels, both kinds, sticks and twists. Oh, I even special ordered. Okay, this is how wild we got. I even special ordered an entire bag of Gardettos, only the Gardettos. Okay, Gardettos, they're they're great. They're not Chex Mix, but they're great. And what makes them so great are those rye crisps in them. Now, rye crisp, it doesn't have the same ring, right? So I don't know about you. I call those guys Gardettos. And the Gardettos, inside the Gardettos, are way better than the Gardettos inside Chex Mix. Nevertheless, I do prefer Chex Mix. There's just something about those little waffly flavor saver holes that Chex comes with. You know what I'm saying? I digress. All right, so we've got all the delicious additions. I make this double batch. We've officially, like if you can hit whatever the opposite of rock bottom is, well, you know, maybe it wasn't the opposite. We've hit rock bottom. We've gone, we've gone from enjoying a fun snack to bathing in butter. Like, you know what I mean? Like we have gone from super fun and innocent to complete immersion. We've slipped down the rabbit hole and now we're at rock bottom. Wow. Wow. Throttle 
back. There absolutely is too much of a good thing, ma'am. Ma'am, you're slipping. So this double batch, I made it on Sunday night. Jimmy and I polished it off. You guys, I don't even know how to say this. By Tuesday afternoon, not even Tuesday night, Tuesday afternoon, it's gone, gone. And I'm pretty sure that's because Monday night, we were like, well, we can't eat all of it. <laughs> like we can't eat all of it. That means we each ate an entire batch. I eat an entire stick of butter, which is this new kind of butter we're getting, all grass-fed beef butter. It's like Kerrygold. It's like Costco's version of Kerrygold. So there we go. That is the Chex Mix problem. Mm -hmm. So we had to quit cold turkey. And by quit cold turkey, I mean, we had to immediately go back to Chex Mix. So it's Chex Mix. I don't think I was saving money anyway, because by the time I made all those additions and used Costco's version of Kerrygold butter, grass-fed organic cow butter, <sighs> yeah, lots of problems. But we'll just roll it up into the Chex Mix problem. Whew, that wraps that up. I mean, I hope that you guys take this as a cautionary tale. Although if I know a thing or two about a thing or two about my audience, I know y'all want that recipe. To not worry, I'll include it in the show notes with a warning. If you really like salt, you need a lock and key for this snack. In other news, I can make magical things happen with my brain. Want to hear? You know how all the kids have those spinny things and they're like an egg beater? I call them a frother. Is that the technical term? It's a frother. It's an egg beater. It's a frother. You can make a fancy coffee drink with it. Okay. I've been wanting one, but like not enough to go get it for myself. I mean, that's preposterous. I'm on these free pages on Facebook. If you're not, you're missing out. And that is showing my age. Free stuff. And when you live in a place where a lot of people got a lot of money, you get some awesome stuff. Anyway, hashtag no shame. So I'm on my free site last night and I see a woman is giving one of these puppies away. But there's a lot, a lot of want for this particular item. So I'm like, hey, if any of it falls through, I'm here. Because that's how it works. First come, first serve. You let them know you're interested. And there's flakes. It happens. Or, you know, it's like somebody's like, oh, you know what? I just found one. I don't need it. Anyway, so I tell her I want it. And then flash forward to... I am the recipient of this awesome box. It's a subscription box. I got it for my birthday. I get one every season. I'm actually kind of sad because my birthday's in July and then I'm and then it's gonna be over. But anyway, God, I should turn my middle name into digression. I get my January box, but I am opening it. And these things come with the most random stuff you never realized you wanted and needed all your life. And I open it up and I'm like, oh my God, what if a frother thing is in there? What if I get that random egg beater and guess what I got? Oh yeah, I sure did. I got the egg beater frother milk thing. Yes, I did. You're impressed or want to be impressed, but <laughs> what did you make? You may say, yeah, first of all, F that thing. I'm sure it's a user error. At least out the gate, initial review is, yeah, I'm really glad it came in my box and I didn't have to pay for it. You know what I mean? Okay, I have to talk about something really scary could ruin your day. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I don't know what the technical term is, but it's those grates that you drive over to enter private parking facilities often, all right? And they say, warning, do not back up may cause severe tire damage. They may be fatal to your tires. So you know what I'm talking about. I am so freaking afraid of those things. Every time I drive over it, there's just that little moment. You know when you're driving in the fog or in the sun is coming over your windshield just so and you cannot see anything for just a split second and you have to just cross your fingers and grit your teeth and hope that everything's gonna be okay? That's what I do with the grates. My son has a weekly appointment where we drive in 
to this parking lot and I got to go over the grates. Now the kicker is you drive it on the right, you drive over the grates on the right, but you can also exit the same direction, but you would obviously drive on the right as you're exiting, right? So it's the, when you're coming in, the exit's on the left, but geez Louise, like I drive a small car and I feel like we all need to suck it in. I literally hold my breath when I go over these grates. So like my left tires don't accidentally hit the ones going the wrong way. That is fear. That is fear. Anyway, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Those things are terrible. I think that with all the technology we have, we could maybe just scan a license plate and ticket them if they didn't pay rather than give me a mild, mild to moderate panic. See, like I'm stroking even trying to say it. I am a mother of a seven, he'll be eight at the end of May and a five-year-old. They're both boys. They're, you know, if you're a mom, you know, you get it. They're your world. They're your soul. My firstborn, you know, we've been on this mother-child journey for the first time at the same time, experiencing this brand new life together for the first time. Does that make sense? Okay, you get it. He's my boy. And we've always been like huddly and huggy and kissy. And we are very affectionate with one another. I pick him up after school. I realized that one of his classmates and he were dawdling. The kids would get out, the school would be almost cleared out, and I would not see him and this little girl whose mother and I are friendly with one another. And we're always like, oh, you know, catch up on the kids and this and this. And the other day I told him, hey, you have somewhere to be after school. I need you guys to pick up the pace. Don't, whatever you're doing, like come out. Okay, mom, fine. While I'm waiting for him to come out of his piano lesson, I see a mom and her daughter leaving and I recognize them from school. My son comes out, so his piano lesson is over. We're wrapping up our conversation and both kids who normally don't have enough time in their school day to talk and say all the things that they need to say to each other that they're usually the last kids out of campus. I have no time for this child. <laughs> he comes out of piano and he sees his friend sitting there and one would think he would bounce on over to her and they would chat, da, 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 but this doesn't happen. Instead, he he kind of like barely looks at her and he's like, hey, and she's like, hey. I don't even, I, I don't even know if a sound came out of her mouth. Like I did see a little bit of a chin movement, which to signify like, hello, I see you. We leave, we say our goodbyes. Now I've noticed he's awkward. We'll, we're going to call this little girl Sarah. I have noticed that He's always told me about his relationships. He's always told me when he's had a girlfriend, like, give me a break. But, you know, he's never been shy to tell me anything. But I have observed that when it comes to Sarah, I'm not getting the deets. Now, I'm trying not to press, right? Like, I'm not, I don't want to make a big deal out of anything. They're seven years old, for goodness gracious. Like, I just want to know because I want to know. So we get in the car and I'm like, oh, I thought you and Sarah were friends. And he's like, we are friends. I was like, oh, okay. Usually I say hi to my friends. And he's like, we did say hi. And I was like, okay. And I was like, do you guys just communicate like with your eyes? Was that a whole conversation? And he, he giggled and, you know, I pretended like we were having a conversation with just our eyes because I get it. I can do that with my best friend. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's what we did. And I'm like, okay. So we're driving in silence, which is rare. And I said, hey, and I've got the rear view mirror tilted down so I can see his eyes. And I said, hey, 
can I, I'm just curious, is it my imagination? Or when I ask you about Sarah, are you like a little bit awkward? And he's like, yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah, it's, yeah, I am a little bit awkward. No, it's not your imagination. And I was like, oh, okay. So do you want to, you want to tell me what that's about or? And he's like, uh, I mean, he's like actually thinking about, is he going to tell me or not? I got this. I got this. And I was like, okay. And you want to expand on that? And he's like, um, well, yeah, not right now. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. No problem. Driving, driving along. I glance back up at him and they rear view and I'm like, so when are you going to tell me? And he goes, I'll tell you someday when I'm comfortable. And I'm like, slam on the brakes, peel out. No, I didn't do any of that, but I thought about it. So, okay. So in a split second, my brain does the following. Cool. Respect his privacy, Emily. You can do that. And then, no, you're his mother. He's your seven-year-old. You deserve to know. And F this, the hell you are not going to tell. You're comfortable right about now, child. Uh, that's so awesome that you have that independence, but it's not going to work here. Like, I need to know about your relationships. And of course, I need to know that he's safe and this and this. But I'm like, okay, what would Dr. Becky do? Dr. Becky would be so cool. Okay, so I just sit there and he's like, basically said, I'll tell you when I'm good and ready and I'm not good and ready right now. I'm an emotional gal. I Just because I cry doesn't mean I'm sad. I don't want him to see my tears. So I tilt the... Um, rearview mirror back up. I can actually can do what it's supposed to do and like, you know, watch for cars and cops pulling me over because I'm looking at my child, not the road. Okay. So you're, so you want to tell me when you're comfortable, what's that mean? And so the kid, he can't find the words. He can't find the words. He's, he's stuttering and he's starting over and he's now, then he starts crying and I'm like, oh crap. I did not mean for this to happen. Period. As as intense and nervous as I may sound to you, the listener, truly in the moment, it was processing. And I was practicing not letting my emotions take control of the situation. Like I felt like it was, you know, had the potential to be pivotal. And I really don't want to scare my kid away from telling me things. But clearly I've already done something to do this, right? I've already, he's not comfortable to tell me this. So <laughs> we, are, we are treading really lightly. Okay, how am I going to handle this? Truly, what would Dr. Becky do? I say, okay, well, I, I hate to make you uncomfortable, and I'm so sorry that I've brought you to tears. I am not upset with you. I think you're doing great. There's nothing wrong here. I said, look, I'll do. This is my first time having a seven-year-old, and it's the first time that I've had a little bit of discomfort on my own as far as your relationships are concerned, and I don't really know how to handle it. So I'm so sorry that I made you sad. I do need to know, though, what is it that you're not comfortable with? Like, let's get serious. He's tripping all over himself, and then finally he goes, can we just start this conversation over? Yeah, my seven-year-old said that, like a grown-up. I said, sure. So we give it a beat, and then I say, Hey, is it my imagination or is there some sort of awkwardness that I that I see between you and Sarah? I mean, gosh, you guys are friends, yet you hardly acknowledged each other just now at piano. And he said, yes, there is a little bit of awkwardness. And um, I just don't know how to tell you this, mommy, but he took a, quite a while to be able to finally spit the following sentence out. 
It's just that sometimes you love me too hard. What? Oh, okay. Do you mean, okay, Emily, you're a grown up. You can do this. This is my self-talk. I'm like, okay, don't project. Don't be sad. Your problems aren't his problems. Okay, Ooh, you got this. Oh, okay, cool. Mind you, rear view mirror still where it should be because mama's, we got the tears. Like I said, I am an emotional gal. Just as I'm tired, all of these things can come in the form of crying. So I don't really know what I'm feeling in the moment. I just know there are tears. I don't want my kid to see this. And he says, you know, you love me too hard. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, what does that mean? And He's like, um, well, you're, um, I was like, am I a little embarrassing at school? And he's like, well, um, you know, it's like you're, when you, when you kiss me goodbye at school, I'm like, oh, oh, is it like the hugging you and kissing you and holding your hands? And he was like, yeah. And I had been noticing that I would take his hand across the street. And as soon as we crossed the street, he's out and maybe half a step ahead. So that's kind of where I was picking this up. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, but at home, you don't do that. Wait, are you saying, now this is talk about an adult story, okay? Are you saying that I'm fake? And in public, I love too hard, but at home, I don't love enough? And he's like, no, mommy. I mean, poor kid is, has no idea how crazy his mother sounded in that moment. But dear God, can we talk about like healing is for winners. Mommy's on her healing journey. He's like, no, mommy. I mean, you can love me as hard as you want at home. You can give me all the kisses and all the snuggles and all the hugs. And we can dance and we can hold hands. But at school, when you pick me up, in front of all my friends, you give me this really big hug and you say, hi, love bug. And um, I just, um, and I was like, you don't want me to do that. And he was like, not all the time. I mean, and he's so sweet. And I said, okay, you got it. Excuse me, Molly, just cry my face off, it's fine. No, really, I was sad for a moment. Of course, I'm a little sad and sappy music and a Instagram reel can break my heart, but I understood exactly what it is he needs. He needs a little, you know, a little bit of growth. I know there's plenty of moms listening who do this in their own way, but maybe they don't smother their child with hugs and kisses and, you know, shouting out pet names. I've always come from the best place, and I'm sure all the moms like me who do this also come from the best place. But we, I am learning that Oliver and I are two different people now, you know, maybe maybe for the first time. You know, we've always been Mommy and Ollie, but Oliver is becoming Oliver outside of Mommy, outside of our house. I go, have your friends teased you about this? And he said, no, no, not yet. No, nobody said anything. And I said, but you kind of feel like it's coming. And he said, yeah, yeah, I feel like it's coming. Okay, I I can respect that. And I said, so I'm confused because at piano, you actually couldn't get closer to me. And he's like, oh, well, I want you to do it then. I want you to put your arm around me and I want to be close to you. And I said, okay, not that I get it because his friend was standing right there. But I said, you know what, bud, I'm gonna let you lead when we're in public. Parenting is so not for the faint of heart. 
There's no thinking about it without skipping a thought of a beat. I have healed now. I have grown, healed, matured, all of the above more in the last seven and three quarters years than the 32 years preceding that. It's incredible how much children can teach us about ourselves. I'm not trying to get all mushy-gushy. Living in the moment, learning how to be present is something I have done. I do well. I can live in the present. One thing that started since I had children, undoubtedly tied to having children, is I started meditating. That sent me off on a, if if you've listened to prior episodes, you know meditation was really one of my entry steps into self-healing. I know healing is very much a buzzword, but truthfully, there's lots to heal from. There's trauma and experiences from the past that if we don't address them in our bodies, we will live with them forever and pass them on to the next generation. It's called generational trauma and there's evidence to back it up. I don't have anybody to cite, but I don't imagine you're listening to this as a, I don't imagine I have a lot of cynics listening to this show. There is something called generational trauma. If you don't heal yourself, then you will pass trauma on. More importantly, maybe than a generation to come that doesn't exist yet is people who you live with you know, and who you come across on a daily basis. Family and what takes place in your nuclear home is just as important, much more important, can have as big of an impact as what happens in the world where you're out and about. This is nothing to write home about, but I was walking into work this morning and a woman walking toward me, she was carrying a bouquet of roses and a gift bag and she just caught my eye. She wasn't designered out and wearing heels and driving a fancy car. She just looked pleasant and happy and pretty. And I actually did a double take. And then I thought I should just tell her. I said, you look lovely. She was so touched. And she said, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'll take that. You just gave me a little pep in my step. And I said, great. Well, you should have a great weekend. And that was that. It's like, I feel good on the inside. So I want to pass that along. I hope that she can pass that along and so on and so forth. What we do in our day-to-day and how we live our lives and ultimately how we're feeling on the inside all impacts each other. If I feel good on the inside, then I can feel good on the outside. If I feel good on the outside, then I can project that onto somebody else. And perhaps my projecting that feeling good, they can feel good now and they can project it, right? And if we feel good on the inside, then we go home and we bring that goodness home. I did want to share when my youngest was a few months old, I started meditating for the first time. Eventually, I got the Calm app, which I use pretty consistently. It's got long, short, minute-long meditations. It's got these motivational talks, sleep stories for adults and children. It's got all sorts of music. It has workouts. It has philosophical talks. It is just awesome. I love the Calm app. But one woman on there who does the meditation's name is Tara Brock. I've been walking every day for a minimum of 20 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes 30 minutes, but no matter what, 20 minutes. Up until recently, I was listening to whatever book or podcast or music I could find just to keep my head going. It's like drugs. I have to be listening to something in the way that 
a drug addict has to be doing drugs, maybe. Uh, anyway, I've now started walking with no technology so that I can touch base with nature and my own thoughts. I stumbled upon this thing about radical self-compassion. One of the women, Tara Brock, did this whole series on radical self-compassion. And I started listening to it and it moved me in such a way, not to the crying movement, but the thought-provoking and wow, I can do something with this. And whoa, what the heck am I listening to? Let's download this and let's listen again and again. So she talked about this thing called RAIN. RAIN is an acronym for recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. That has to do with your emotions that you're feeling in your body, particularly the emotions that really seem to take hold of us and can change the room, right? It can change the energy of an entire room because our emotions have, they're spinning out for lack of a a good word. And so when we are acting uncharacteristically of ourselves or we're letting the deep pain come to the surface and we're emoting by way of yelling or hypersensitive or taking something personal or whatever it is, you're to practice this rain. So first you're to recognize recognize that you're having sadness, let's say. And then the second step is to allow. I'm going to allow the sadness. When she was giving this talk, she talked about how just naming a feeling can reduce the feeling by some absurd amount. I'm not going to pretend to give this statistic here, but it was an absurd amount. Then giving your body permission by allowing yourself to have that, you're reducing even more. Because a lot of times all we need, I mean, personally speaking, I just need to walk away. When my frustration is building and I give myself a timeout. I go in my room, I go for a walk, I take deep breaths. That pause, the walking away, the deep breaths, the exiting the room, the turning away, that is enough a lot of the time to restore our senses, to gain our wits back, to let that energy surge, that emotional surge, whatever whatever the hell it's called, pass. I is investigate. I love what Tara says. She says, not investigate on a cognitive level. And that's great because as soon as my brain starts investigating sadness, I'm like, well, was I really sad? Is that what sadness is? Like, why was I sad? No, not that, but more on a semantic. Oh gosh, what word? Semantic. Semantic? No. Oh, I'm right there with the word. How you're feeling, investigate. What does it feel like? Do I feel hollow? Do I feel sick? Do I feel lonely? Do I feel quiet? Do I feel weak? What do I feel? Just investigate it. Because if you can really allow your body to feel those feelings of fear, inadequacy, sadness, being left out, what does it feel like? I've recently discovered about myself that I have a really big fear. Maybe it's just issues surrounding being left out. I'm so afraid of being abandoned or left out or not good enough, and therefore I'll be rejected. It scares me. And so if I sit with those feelings, what does it feel like? I feel hollow. I feel scared, but I don't want to be alone. I don't want to push people away, right? What does that feel like? I'm investigating it. It feels cold, sad, lonely. And if you can investigate, then you can Nurture. Nurture is obviously the last part of RAIN, nurturing yourself and hugging yourself. And I actually learned this amazing trick from Cheryl, my therapist, which is to just hug yourself. And it sounds so flipping absurd, but I promise you, when no one is looking, if you can hug yourself, and I mean, you remember in the day, you know what I mean? 
where you'd like hug yourself and you're like making out with somebody and that's what you do. But minus the making out head wiggling, you hug yourself and you grip and you spread your fingers and you hold on and you can nurture. I mean, I'm not saying that's the only way to do it, but I am saying I learned about this practice called RAIN. Tara from Calm says it's so much prettier than I do. I highly recommend doing a Google search and getting in touch with your feelings. Not just getting in touch, but getting to touch. Feel your feelings. Feelings can go away once they've been acknowledged and they can stay away once they've been healed. So there's that. Here's a fun way to wrap this up. I have a therapist whom I love and adore. She has changed my life or maybe I should say she has allowed me to change my life and she's facilitated uh, me putting tools in my toolbox to be the best person. One time I said, why are you picking on me like this? Very dramatically. And she said, you came to me and asked for cognitive behavioral therapy. You asked me for this. And I was like, oh, right. She's like, if you don't want that, that's okay. We can just do talk therapy. You said you wanted to stop feeling crappy and stop snapping at people and feeling defensive and feeling low. And she's teaching me how to modify my behaviors through paying attention to my feelings. We meet weekly and I just love her. I discovered Tara Brock and this rain meditation on a walk. And then I go to therapy, tell Cheryl about this, how great it's been for me. And she's like, yeah, I, t- I told you about rain. I'm going to send you a couple of podcasts from my teacher, Tara Brock. And I'm like, what teacher? I still got to get the lowdown on that. I'm pretty sure she means her teacher, her teacher, teacher. Because every time I meet with my therapist, I feel like I'm hanging out with Tara because she says a lot of similar things. But even if she's like her virtual teacher, it's so wild. What a small, random world. She sent me a couple of meditations because Tara has a podcast. I am now a follower. I don't remember what it's called, but of course I'll link it in the show notes. One of them I will link in particular because it was 45 minutes long. So I had to do it while I was... (laughs) driving and then doing the dishes and then eventually the meditation part like when I was by myself. So I did have to split it up over a lot of time, you know, so life goes. It was very moving. This entire 20 minute long rant is to tell you calm, you got to pay money for, but podcasts, you don't. Unless you want to donate, you may do so here. I'm linking it below. No, I'm just kidding. If you want to donate to me, which evidently people do, I will figure that out. And at some point you can, (laughs) I digress. You can get podcasts for free. I know you can get them free pretty much anywhere, like anywhere, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, to name a few. Podcasts are free. Tara Brock has a podcast. She speaks the same language as my therapist. She says the same thing she says on the Calm app. So you don't know where to turn to for help. I'm gonna show you. Go to find Tara Brock or look up podcasts, start following podcasts. And as soon as you don't like a podcast, unfollow it. You don't need all that crap in your life. I love them. And I feel like not nearly enough people listen to them. It's not an audiobook. It's very different than an audiobook. I listen to podio, podio casts and audiobooks. <laughs> I listen to podcasts and audiobooks. And I can tell you they're two very different experiences. An audiobook is listening to a book. You got to be a certain type of person. An audiobook, not everybody can do and nor wants to do. A podcast is like a conversation. Even if it's with me, myself, and I, you can turn us off anytime you want. 
All right, listen, I have been all over the map today. I really kind of wanted to free flow and discuss a variety of things. Some made me laugh, some made me cry. I hope you enjoyed my show today. I One of these days will get on a consistent schedule, uh, consistent posting schedule. For now, I'm just gonna go with my flow and have grace. And I think you should too. My name is Emily Lewis. This is the Sorry Less Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Take care. Bye for now.